slash afternoon. Welcome to the Calories and Rice podcast, a perfectly passable China Africa podcast. I'm your host, Wenzel Robertson, and I'm thrilled today that I have not scared away our co-host, Lena Benabdella, yet. How are you doing, Lena? Doing great. Happy to be here again. Excellent. How's the weather? Uh, the weather is great, actually. It's, it's nice. And are you doing anything Halloween-related tonight? Well, actually, not tonight. Um, so um, I'm I'm on the pod tonight, right? Yeah, good answer. <laughs> okay. How and, about you, Winslow? Are you doing anything tonight? Uh, not tonight. I'm no. on the pod, and then I have a few other China Africa things I'm gonna work on. The life of a China Africanist is not exciting. Well, no, I take it oh, back. Come it, it is, oh come it's on! It's extremely exciting. We just don't celebrate Halloween that much. <laughs> I'm assuming. I'm just speaking for myself. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, African Development Jobs. African Development Jobs, a site run by Nino Oduro, seeks to connect development workers with professional development resources and work opportunities in Africa. On a quest to help diversify development, it highlights the voices and issues of Africans and the diaspora in the field. It is also the best site for finding employment in the development field in Africa that I know of. The Chinese in Africa slash Africans in China Research Network aims to strengthen and widen the reach of emerging cross-regional communities of research and practice in the area of China-Africa studies. Originally established in 2007 as a small research working group at the Center for Sociological Research at the University of Johannesburg, the research network has grown rapidly to become a global network of researchers and practitioners. It provides a dynamic, virtual platform where members meet, debate, inquire, and stay in touch. Dr. Yunjung Park, who has been a frequent guest of the pod, is the convener of the organization. However, we have not invited Professor Park to the pod this time, as we wanted to look at the network's most recent outreach efforts. So please welcome Dr. Tu Huin, who is the co-founder of the research network, as well as a recent postdoctoral fellow at Jinan University. Huin did her undergraduate studies in Black Studies and Political Science at the University of California, Santa Barbara, and completed her PhD in Sociology at Binghamton University. Her PhD thesis examined the role of Chinese indentured labor in the restructuring of race relations in the economy in South Africa in the early 1900s. Professor Huin, thank you for coming on the pod. Hi, Winslow. Thank you for inviting me, and Lena as well. Hello. Thank you. Hi. And are you from Santa Barbara originally? I am not from Santa Barbara. I'm actually from L.A., but it's only about two hours um, north of L.A., that's where Santa Barbara is. And, um, yeah, I just did my studies there. I just love how Californians say, oh, only two hours away. Like, that's no big deal. Ah, California is a long state. <laughs> it is. It that's is. True. All right. And, uh, Professor Wayne, we invited you here because we, we want you to tell us a little bit about your newest communication platforms, the WeChat group and the Twitter account. Yeah, well, I'm not sure um, how familiar your listeners are with WeChat Group. Um, mainly, it's a uh, social media communication, um, uh, I guess, app. That's what people call it, right? Or, That's what people call it, yes. Yeah, a platform for, um, used in mainland China. And, and, you know, in a way, it's almost like Facebook, but because Facebook is not accessible in China, um, so, uh, WeChat is, has been, you know, very popular uh, as a communication tool. And I think it has probably overtaken even QQ, which came before WeChat. So anyway, so we, um, we do have quite a few, 
members from mainland China um, in our research network. So as what part of our growth and evolution, we thought that, you know, it's time that we try to branch out into other um, forms of communication to be more inclusive um, and also, you know, to let the members um, feel like they have ownership of the the network, but also so that they can um, communicate with each other more um, easily, I guess, or readily. Uh, so WeChat um, is more instantaneous compared to email. So, you know, you can send a message and it pops up and people just respond. And then it's also very informal. So it's also um, to cater to our younger members because in the CAAC Research Network, we do have members who are quite senior and who um, are not that much into social media or technology, whereas we do have a large group of postgraduate students and they are um, doing field work, some of them especially those who are traveling to China to do um, field work. So that's why I said, um, you know, we have members who are based in China, not just Chinese members, right? There's a difference between that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so um, it's to help them better connect with each other um, so that, you know, they get they go to Guangzhou or any other city in China and they can just communicate with other members to see who else is around there or um, to ask for assistance in other ways, you know, um, to help connect probably other researchers as well. And also, you know, to use it to um, announce events, probably like last minute, you know, so that's also a possibility. I Uh, can vouch for that because I announced an event very last minute using the WeChat group and it worked very well. Yes, I heard. I heard that um, there were some surprise guesses, too, and stuff. So, <laughs> uh, And I'm referring to um, uh, an event where Professor Deborah Brottingham just released her book, and there was a brief happy hour after, and Professor Brottingham dropped by the happy hour, which surprised me greatly. Mm. And could you talk a little bit about the evolution of the network and how a lot of people were communicating before the WeChat group? Yeah, well, before the WeChat group, and it's still ongoing, actually, we do have a listserv um, uh, maintained through Google Group, right? So we post uh, events, we post conference announcements or um, people's publications, and also people do um, use that to also ask for research assistance, Um but you know how emails are, they can take, people can take a while to respond and it's, you know, it's not as quick. So, but we still, we're still maintaining that. And I would say that that's the core of our membership actually. So with the WeChat group, we just started that about a couple of weeks ago. So it's still, you know, in the process of, um, of, you know, it's taking shape right now. And we are trying, or at least I'm trying to figure out, um, uh, its direction right now. It's very informal, very open. So, you know, it's, it's good for that, but then I would like to see it, um, you know, a little bit more structured in terms of people feeling that it, it's a space where they can also discuss issues and have debates that are, um, constructive. 
Yeah. Which we saw a lot also with the with the email, right? So there's there's always uh, good conversations going on, good debates, questions, and so many people will you know, pitch in with different uh, arguments and opinions. Um, yeah. But I've always been curious, uh, just the extent of um, uh, the membership. Uh, do you have an idea? Just you know, uh, statistics, numbers, just how many, approximately how many scholars, students, people are in the group, or well, we have almost 600 members, wow. and I would say, you know, we haven't really broken down in terms of how many um, yeah. uh, professors and lecturers are, there are and how many right, post right, right, students right. or how many um, practitioners, but I would say um, that there's probably a 50-50 divide mm-hmm. or maybe, you know, we, because nowadays there are more students in the field doing research um, so they're looking to us and joining the group. So their numbers are increasing quite rapidly, actually. Um, yeah, and I would say many of our recent um, members are postgraduate students, or in the U.S. they would be called graduate students, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So um, so the WeChat group is mainly, you know to create that space for them that they feel comfortable enough, not just to ask for a research assistance, but then also that they would, um, you know, feel like they're in a group of peers and they can raise issues and have, you know, constructive um, discussions, whereas they might not feel as comfortable on the um, Google listserv, right? And then also um, the Google listserv, I believe, um, like some Chinese members, and here I really mean Chinese members, they feel intimidated by it because it's all in English. So WeChat, main, right now the communication has all been in English, but there's the option of using Chinese, right? Because we all understand that WeChat is mainly a Chinese application, right? Chinese um, app. So it wouldn't be surprised if someone popped up with something in Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, through WeChat, you can instantaneously also translate um, the messages, even though the translations are often bad. You get the gist of it. <laughs> right. And for our listeners, dog, uh, what's WeChat is quite similar to WhatsApp, but I would argue better by order of magnitude. And if you do have a smartphone and you do have WhatsApp, the instantaneous group communication is is quite similar. And the ability to, to share information is it, quite robust. There's a lot of there's a lot of things you can share over WeChat, and it's something that I think will uh, a lot of our younger members and a lot of our Chinese members will be will be quite happy to use. And I'll also note that a lot of um, a, a lot of Chinese people period use WeChat. It's not something for for young people in particular. So senior China Africa scholars will have WeChat accounts. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, yeah a, a really good idea on your part. What about the Twitter account? The, the Twitter account is even newer actually, and that's um, uh, we're just starting up. And we, do, uh, you know, I want to acknowledge actually our volunteers for helping with this. Um, the WeChat group, you know, uh, one of our volunteers, um, Lily, helped create the group. And then Twitter, another volunteer, Raymond, who is Ugandan but based in South Africa, he helped us set up the account. And um, we're trying to still figure out, like, um, posting, what type of postings, the frequency of the postings. But it's also to try to engage the larger, I guess, to be involved in the larger trend, right, 
where um, people are tweeting and, you know, you get short messages out there and we want to capture the stories that we want to represent um, the our interest, right, to be um, put out there as well. So because there are already quite a lot of um, China Africa um, Twitter accounts out there, actually, that are pretty good. You know, Winslow yourself, I think, have, has one, right? I have one. Uh, yes, but Lena also has an equally good one. Yeah. <laughs> There's too many China Twitter accounts. I don't like this competition. It makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. The more the merrier. The more the merrier, right? And I'm extremely happy to see that the network has their own Twitter account. I, What the network does and the community that you have, it's the ability to for as many audiences to engage with that network is something I feel very strongly about. So I'm thrilled that you have a Twitter account. Well, great. You know, uh, we look forward to you helping us out more with it, actually, and shaping it. So. Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, these these communities are amazing in terms of just getting um, all the specific. For somebody who studies China Africa or works on China Africa, it just could not be better. You know, than having a platform where it's interactive. You can ask all kinds of questions, and it could be in any language you want. And uh, we, it's it's just amazing amazing service when uh, you know there are calls for conferences that are shared throughout the platform or just notifications of whatever is is, is being published and so we're constantly keep reading and just constantly kind of keep an update with what's going on in the field and so it, this is really great so I'm really excited about the, the um, Twitter account too and just yeah. trying to get like you said you know also. Uh, people who are based in China, whether they're Chinese or from elsewhere doing field work in China, it's important for them to be connected as well and for us to kind of have an idea, you know, what's going on in the work they're doing. And so it's great that we can, we're able to diversify the platforms through which we communicate these things. And so, you know, Google or, or Twitter or WeChat in different languages. And so this is great, really. Yeah, no, Twitter would be for the for the group that's outside of China more. <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> it is still blocking China. But, you know, um, but you're right, and you touch on some stuff, right, because we do have members all over the world, actually, and we do attend conferences and stuff like that. So it would be, it's nice if, you know, we know about it, we can tweet about it, we can, you know, update people in terms of what's being discussed, what panels are interesting, um, what, you know, people who are interesting, you know, what what new information is being um, put out there, you know. So, yeah, Twitter would allow for that. But like we said, like I said, you know, we're still shaping it and trying to figure out, um, you know, how we want to um, to make sure that we have a constant flow of information. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And useful information. Yeah. Yeah. What was the process like in creating these platforms and what would success look like to you? Mm. Well, I've touched on both a little bit, right? Um, mainly because um, I've come back to working um, with Yoon uh, more closely um, on CAAC uh, stuff, right? Um because, you know, in China, I have limitations in terms of, you know, email access and, you know, listserv access because of the different um, firewalls. Um, so I took a, somewhat like a long sabbatical, if you want to put it that way. But now that I'm back and um, I 
you know, we've been very lucky in terms of, you know, when we did a call for interns, um, we had a very good turnout, you know, um, and we only selected two interns. So we invited the others who had applied. We invited them to volunteer with us. And many of them actually were happy to volunteer with us, which, you know, we were very surprised and very grateful, actually. So because of this, you know, you know, man and woman power that we have now, um, we can do a lot more. So, you know, they are part, um, you know, so the volunteers have been active in um, sending up social media for us, but then we also have them working on other projects too. Um, that, you know, we're hoping that these projects, like, you know, uh, they're doing various types of searches um, to build up databases for us, right? On uh, You know, we already have an online researcher's database. We want a publications re- um, searchable database. We want a searchable database for conferences and courses. And this is part of our larger goal to have our own website once we um, move away from the SSRC, because as of now, the CAAC is a partner with um, SSRC, which is the Social Science Research Council. So I think is it based in DC or New York? New York. Yeah. So you know the bigger goal is that you know we want to set up our media infrastructure or communication infrastructure so that when we are independent, an independent entity, we would you know be able to continue with our communications um, beyond just the listserv that we've had even before our partnership with the SSRC. Um. So I'm not sure. Did I answer your question, or? Mm-hmm. Yes, you you did. And even if you didn't, I wouldn't have told you. <laughs> I'm tired because um, we were up um, early this morning, or I was up early this morning for uh, a meeting, a Skype meeting too. So. I will say there is probably no worse um, project to coordinate in terms of time difference than a China-Africa project where you live in the U.S. Right. It's just the hour. The hours are terrible, and the only time that generally works is in the morning. Mm. And you're West Coast, so... <laughs> er, yes. But I digress. Yeah, I was kind of curious to talk uh, a little bit further about future plans. I mean, I know you touched a little bit on these in terms of trying to decide, you know, how to use the platforms best and stuff. But are there any projects you uh, that the, the network is, is trying to or working on implementing or anything you'd like to share with us in terms of, you know, future directions and projects? Mm, okay. Before I get to that, actually, I forgot something about the WeChat group because Winslow was saying what's um, our vision for that. And for me, like you know, I had mentioned also that besides communication, um, it's also um, to have more discussions, actually, because this is a younger crowd and more Chinese oriented crowd that we have on um, WeChat. Um, I would like to see more debates and more people raising questions, actually, instead of, you know, um, you know, sharing information about gatherings and conferences and stuff like that. It's great. But I think, you know, we would like to continue to expand the knowledge, expand the discourse on China, Africa. So hopefully with more social media, more communication platforms that people will be talking more, you know, and sharing ideas more. You know, feeling comfortable to to do that, you know. Um, so I wanted to add that. And then in terms of um, 
the growth of the CAAC, like I said, you know, we are working towards um, becoming a more material entity rather than a virtual entity. As both of you know, we exist virtually and um, for some years already. So we are trying to, um, you know, get a sense of our members' sense of need for the organization as well so that, um, you know, so we are working on a, a membership survey. So hopefully um, we do have members listening to this pod and that once they, when they receive um, the, the survey that they would um, assist us with answering some of the questions so that it would help us mm-hmm. also strategize, you know, this um, evolution, this, the, the next stage of the, the network. So. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, the question is, you know, with FOCAC coming up soon, um, do you, is the network A, is the network involved in um, sort of anything, you know, any projects related to FOCAC directly? Uh, and, um, and second, uh, what we would like to um, um, ask here if any, every member or any member is going to be um, kindly invited to join the group in South Africa and talk about FOCAC. <laughs> we would invite members, but they would have to get themselves there, actually. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've been telling Winslow. I mean, this, it, it, I've, I've been just trying, dying to try to figure out a way to actually, you know, kind of be there just, you know, to witness this. Because if something is happening once every three years and you're kind of like writing your dissertation just on that, I mean, you'd just love to be the fly on the wall. But yeah, <laughs> so we had to wonder. <laughs> Yeah, but you guys should invite um, our members who are going to be um, part of FOCAC, right? Um, because like Yuna and I, we we wouldn't be um, in South oh, Africa, but uh, Roman, uh, which I think you guys probably have on your program before, he you know he'll be in the thick of it, and then also Bob Wakessa, I think he'll be right, involved right. in some way, and he's a mm-hmm, steering mm-hmm. committee member. So, you know, you guys should bring them on and, you know, and ask them these, you know, some hard questions, you know. So, yeah, I'm sure they would appreciate that comment there. <laughs> yeah, I think we already, we are kind of planning to get uh, Bob uh, on the pod, right? Uh, yeah, but... uh, we we reached out to him and, and he confirmed. Uh, we're going to try cool. and do a month-long look at FOCAC. I, I didn't know... Um, uh, Roman, Ditkin was was um, going, but he's on the list. Well, he's and in South he, Africa, right? So um, you should bring him in. He he has made the list. I like literally before this pod, Lena and I were texting each other some names about who we wanted to get after um, Dr. Wakesa, uh confirmed. So yes, we we want to have some folks over here, although. I'm curious as to whether you have any strategies for how to crash FOCAC. If you don't have an official invitation, <laughs> what are you some of the ways? Yes, just just out of curiosity. Um, well, one of these think tank meetings, it's um, I've been to actually one of them in Kenya, and I think it's really by invitation only. Actually, um, if you show up. I'm not sure if anyone would kick you out, though, or turn you away. So, <laughs> uh, And that is not an official endorsement to go without an invitation. No, we're, it, just, we're just asking questions. It's not. It's just that I don't know how it's changed over the years, right? Because when I right. um, 
when I participated in it, it was at the beginning, at the early stages, you know, so it could be a completely different format right now. So. And the South African government hasn't emailed you and said, please come and represent the Chinese and African African China Research Network at FOCAC? I'm surprised. <laughs> Full membership before the seventh edition. <laughs> Maybe we should send them an invitation to join our network. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> we have the volunteers to do that now. I, we, we, should, yeah. we should take a look. Uh, no, um, you know, we have not um, actively been uh, participating in FOCAC events or, uh, at all, actually, because our, the network mainly, it's about, you know, uh, it's member-driven, right? Uh, mainly focusing on the needs of the, the members, um, you know, to trying to um, create opportunities also for people to meet at conferences or go to conferences um, and just, you know, raising awareness of different people's publications. So it's mainly at that level now we are not um, really engaged in policy um, making at this point. And we might, who knows? <laughs> right. Yeah, so. Well, do you have anything you would like to add before we sign off? Um, not off the top of my head right now. Well, I had a quick kind of question. I'm not sure um, how much time we'd like to spend on it, but just out of curiosity, I wanted to ask uh, Professor... Um, if you um, so the group basically the network is, is 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 kind of very interdisciplinary, right? So we have um, scholars and practitioners and students who are interested in China Africa from many from different disciplines, but also it's also very intercultural, right? Mm -hmm. And I just was I, I mean with the platform being interdisciplinary, intercultural. Um, yeah, how is how how is communicating through the platform uh, in in terms of you know are there uh, are people even kind of open to um, you know asking all kinds of questions? Is there any uh, are there any you know um, uh, hesitances be precisely because of these cultural issues? Have there been any instances where you know some discussions could be, I don't know, heated or some questions would be kind of uh, controversial or some, uh, because if, 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 if the platform or if the, 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 this communication uh, channel is, is hopefully going to generate, you know, more discussions and debates, I could not uh, help but wonder, you know, if, if any of these debates, you know, and, and, yeah, are, I mean, uh, convoluted or heated or I mean how how does the network um, handle that is there is it just you know like a, an open 100% open kind of space for you know conversation is there you know um, are no other mechanisms for uh, arbitration uh, how does that work if you have yeah. any you know any any thoughts to share about this but yeah, but it's precisely what you're saying, right? It's um, it crosses many countries and cultures, right? Our members. Um, so when we set up the the listserv, um, the primary mode of communication, we um, opted 
to keep it open as an open platform, meaning that members would self-regulate. And because of um, an instance, right, because we, you know, our members are quite cordial and they are quite, um, they, they, I I believe they do respect each other pretty much in terms of like um, intellectually um, and they also understand cultural differences and also um, linguistic differences, right? Because um, our Chinese members do feel like they, um, you know, they, some, a few participate, but most just observe because of the language issue. Um, So we try to ask people to be sensitive. um, And when we had one incident where um, it did get out of hand and, you know, people were accused of being racist or that there were racist, there was racism amongst the membership. Um, But, you know, I think people were able to look beyond that and look at what the arguments were. And also Yun and I would um, step in and try to arbitrate, um, you know. And then also um, members might themselves withdraw from the group if they want because, um, you know, we we do not have a membership fee or, you know, we do not hold anyone to the group. Um, they can put in a request to leave if they do. But, you know, in that case, one left, but then he came back um, after everything settled, right? Because after all, um, I think, you know, most people do respect that platform and they understand that it's um, it's helpful. Um, mm-hmm. It's, you know, it provides a lot of information. Mm-hmm. So... Um, but yeah. sometimes misunderstandings are bound to happen when you have a group as big and as you know mm. multicultural and as multi. So some of these things are bound to happen. And yeah. yeah, yeah, and they do happen. And I think sometimes other members step up as well, besides me and you, and try to arbitrate. You know, um, so we're lucky that way, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a surprisingly little amount of exactly. of, of accusations of racism and imperialism or whatever ism you would like to throw at people. Mm. Not as much as you would expect for such a big, diverse network. Mm. And that's too hard credit, I'd like to think. All right, (laughs) now let's uh, move on to recommendations. So, Professor Huynh, what would you like to recommend to our audience? Mm. (laughs) I know you had mentioned about, you know, literature and stuff like that. And the only thing that I can think of off the top of my head, you know, besides the event that you um, organized around Deborah Brodigan's um, book, which means that, you know, it's like her book launch. Um, But then also there are two articles uh, recently published by Lian Shan that was shared in the network. And I think one of them looks, um, tries to look more historically at Africans in China. So I think that is worthwhile looking at because, you know, we have to remember that um, our research network is not just about Chinese in Africa. It's just as much about Africans who are in China. Um, you know, so uh, the literature and the research um, on, in that area has been growing quite rapidly, actually, in the last few years. Um, so I think Lian Shan is trying to help us make sense of, you know, of what's going on there. So, yeah. I guess if you were interested in having the titles right now, I can, um, 
I can tell you that one of them, um, the title is African Diaspora in China, Reality, Research and Reflection. Um, I have not read them yet myself, uh, but the second one is uh, Contact Between China and Africa Before Vasco da Gama, uh, Archaeology, Document and histo histori Historiography, uh, one of the, <laughs> the most difficult words to pronounce for me. Um, but so, yeah, this was World History Studies um, article. So, but I'm hoping to get to them this weekend. Actually, I'm excited to read them. Terrific. Those are fantastic. And yes, all our listeners should definitely read them and, and they will be linked to on, on the pod. Lena, what about yourself? Do you have any recommendations? Um, so there was a, um, a piece uh, published uh, by uh, J.R. Melly, um, the Sampa is detained, long live Sampa. This was uh, a piece for African uh, arguments and it I think it was just out maybe yesterday or today. Uh, so it, I kind of uh, was uh, reading it this afternoon. And um, so um, the piece just sort of puts into, you know, bigger kind of context uh, the whole story about the detention uh, of Senpa. And so I, I um, and then, you know, um, Jeremy has, uh, um, is the um, published the report before the anatomy of the resource curse, um, and so he also talks about the Queensway group in there, and so it's also in uh, in the looting machine, and so I thought that this was a really nice kind of follow up to that story. Jr. is one of the leading experts on Sampa in the world, and he spent years of his life researching the Queensway group, and yeah, I, mm -hmm. that's an excellent recommendation, and. Uh, and yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing that. And as for myself, I have two quick recommendations. So because we're talking about Chinese social media, I wanted to plug my friend Liz Carter's book, Let 100 Voices Speak, How the Internet is Transforming China and Changing Everything, which was released in September, actually. And it's a really great book about Chinese social media, um, mostly focused on uh, Weibo, which is not as popular as WeChat. But Liz is one of the most astute observers of China and, and Chinese culture that I know as a foreigner. And I'm delighted that she wrote this book and that someone was lucky enough to publish it. And this discussion that we had about WeChat and Chinese audiences, if you want to learn more about if you want to learn more about that in depth, I, I highly suggest look, taking a look at her book, especially buying it. But yes, I'm, I'm transparently hoping that you buy my friend's book. I'm not lying. And then the next thing I want to plug is a piece on International Policy Digest by Ambassador David Shin, China and Africa, Environmental Implications and the Law. And it's just a long, pretty wordy article about different Chinese interests in Africa and their relation to the environment and, and how they relate to to the law. And it's really, really good. And if you are interested in uh, the China-Africa nexus as it relates to the environment, you really should take a look at this. Yeah, it's a really great piece. Ambassador Shin is probably the best read China-Africanist I know. He reads everything. Mm. If you want someone with a comprehensive knowledge of, of China, Africa, 
anything, Ambassador Shin is the place to go. And yeah, that's basically it. Before we sign off, Professor Huynh, how do people find you on the interwebs? Do you have a website or Twitter account that you'd like to share with us? Well, in terms of, um, we do share a platform with the SSRC. So if you go to the SSRC website, which is probably just ssrc.org or something like that, you can find us there under um, some of their um, projects. So I don't have the exact website now. And then the Twitter account is just um, at CAAC underscore network. CAAC underscore network. So network with a capital N, I believe. I'm not sure if it's case sensitive or not. So Great to hear. And Lena, what about yourself? Um, so I would say Twitter would be the um, easiest uh, way to get in touch, and my handle is um, L Ben Abdella. Um, so I, th- I think I think the best way to spell it is on um, on the link to the to the pod. And I myself can be found on cowrieswrites.blogspot.com, and my Twitter handle is at Winslow underscore R. I tweet a lot about China Africa, and as Professor Wayne mentioned there's a lot of great folks out there tweeting as well, so I don't actually keep up with the news as much. I, I tend to, to be a little more specialized, but feel free to reach out. And that is about it for today's episode. We would like to thank Professor Huynh for joining us this evening from California, as well as African Development Jobs. This podcast can be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Double Twist, and iTunes. We're also tuning up with WTND Community Radio from the Colorado Illinois Sheriff Podcast. We would also like to thank Money Mike for Pulse Recordings for the theme song. And thank you, dear listeners, for giving us your time. Take care.